Hey guys, I'm so excited to be here today. And if you've spent any time around me in the last few weeks, you know that December is one of my favorite times of the entire year. There's just something that I find so magical about the month of December. There's all these beautiful lights, amazing songs, great cookies, and I don't know if you notice this, but it seems like people even honk their horn a little bit less in December. So maybe just charitable spirits. And I just think the way that we thoughtfully think about spending time with people that we love, even in a season as weird as 2020 has been in the holidays, um, is just one of the reasons that I love December and the weeks leading up to December 25th. And most of all, I think December is so special because the weeks leading up to Christmas cause this time of reflection and contemplation in all people about this Jesus that we've heard so much about. We sing songs about bringing tidings of joy. We hear messages on Sunday about God and about peace, joy, love, and hope. And I think that's a part of the magic that for a little bit, we think about living a life of higher ideals. Now, don't get me wrong. I also know that the holidays can be an incredibly painful time, um, especially this year. But even when the holidays are reminders of the pain in our stories, we still see that the circumstances and the conversations and the activities that these weeks bring cause us to reflect um, and be these glimmers of hope in this month. And I think if we're honest, the reason that December is so magical is that there's a part of us that really believes we can live this better life. And because we believe that this life is possible and we can live it, I think even if it's just for a few moments of every day, we actually live that life. But then December 26th comes. And just like John talked about in the beginning of our text, reality sets in about the world that we live in, about our personal realities, the darkness that just feels so overwhelming is what he talked about in the beginning of the text. These hard situations at work, loneliness that we feel even in a population as dense as Jersey City, the broken relationships with family and friends, the unmet expectations of what we thought this year was gonna look like, the desires that we prayed about and hoped for that go unfulfilled and unmet. And all of a sudden it's this week between Christmas and New Year's, one that feels like this no man's land. If you're anything like me, you're not really sure what day it is, but one thing that feels really certain is that with each day after December 26th, these stories that we heard about in the season of Advent, um, in the season leading up to Christmas, feel just like that, stories. Beautiful ones, albeit, but something that feels like it's just so hard to believe that this could be true about our current circumstances, our current realities. And with each day, we begin to question if these stories are real, what they really mean, and if they're true. So what now after Christmas, after Advent, after the season of waiting for hope, anticipating its arrival, when the trees 
and when, we, when the lights that we put on the trees in Christmas are taken down and we find ourselves left in more darkness than we remember being there when we first put them up, what then? Where do we find hope and light? And if we encounter it, how will we know it's there? How will we recognize it? Now, we've navigated brokenness and darkness and emptiness before, certainly, right? That's how we're able to identify it uh, and know that it's overwhelming. How have we navigated it before? Um, Let's look first at what we try to do is we try to escape the darkness. We chase the sun thinking that if we move fast enough, the darkness will never catch us. Um, We put up blinders, um, just keep moving, keep going forward, pretend it's not there. If we turn in a different direction even, um, maybe that's where we'll find never-ending light. This can often look a lot like moving from new job to new job, bouncing from new relationship to new relationship at any sign of conflict or challenge or tension. It can sometimes look like pushing that uh, reoccurring problem under the rug with the people that you live life most closely with, whether that is a spouse, family, friends, a roommate. But just like the sun goes down every night, we can't run forever. We grow tired, and the darkness does catch up. And if escaping doesn't work, well, then what we try to do is we try to cover the darkness, sometimes even with our own shiny light-up gadgets, literally and figuratively. This can sometimes look like having a totally packed schedule, a schedule filled with parties, dinners, social activities, work, never-ending work. Um, It can even look like filling your schedule and your time with things that are good, like serving. We think that if we're so busy, we won't feel that void, that darkness. Or maybe it looks like getting that new device or moving into that new good neighborhood or that new swanky apartment, um, getting all sorts of new things, doing anything to impress those that you care about, your family, your friends, your coworkers. Or maybe, We try to cover the darkness and fill it with a new relationship so that we don't have to face the darkness. Um, All of these things are like battery-powered flashlights. Honestly, for a little bit, they seem to really work. But just like flashlights, the batteries die. And eventually, all we're left with is plastic. And thirdly, and honestly hope this one is really, really challenging for me, And I imagine a lot of people in this high achievement environment like Jersey City, um, being in this culture around New York, the third thing that we do is we try harder to be our own light in the darkness. We say and think things like this time, this time, I'll leave work early, I'll pull back. This time, I'll stop going back to that toxic relationship. Or this time, I won't yell at my kids or in the face of issues that we really struggle with, we say, this time I'll do better. Um, Whether it is something uh, like a body image issue or something else saying, this time I'm gonna work out regularly, I'll do it, this time I'll eat healthy. Um, We can often see this at the beginning of a new year as well. We think with enough effort, we can generate our own light in the darkness. We can become the star in our universe 
in our stories, in our lives. Time and time again, though, our best efforts fail. We just don't get it right every time. These are all false hopes, counterfeit lights. We've tricked ourselves. They don't do anything about the darkness in our reality. But we don't need a new reality. We need to admit that we are not only living in darkness, but that darkness lives within us. That we're broken and we can't do anything about it. That all the things that we're trying to do uh, aren't working because we're trying to change all these things around us. And the problem is inside of us. The darkness is within us. So no amount of things that we do to change our environment, our situation, our circumstances, to bring light into the darkness is going to bring the light when the darkness is inside. And the truth is, God fully knows our brokenness and fully sees it because he made us and he made life itself. We see this in our text. In verses 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. With full knowledge of our brokenness, God came to us. That's what we see in verse 14. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's good news in Christmas, and it's that we were broken and living in darkness well before December 25th. We were broken and in need of saving well Jesus' birth. I know that doesn't sound like good news, but why is it good news? It's good news because by the story of Christmas, we know that Jesus' birth, his very coming to us, that our brokenness does not push God away. Our brokenness does not repel God. In fact, what we see through the Christmas story is that it draws him closer to us. In the midst of the text, when it's talking about how we didn't know Jesus, in verse 11, it says he came to his own. That's talking about us, his own. It is our brokenness that caused the word to become flesh and to dwell among us. It's actually the enveloping darkness that we live in that caused the true light to come into our world and to overcome it, to overcome that darkness. Jesus' very incarnation tells us that God saw our brokenness and chose to do something about it. It's our inability to find our way out of the darkness that caused God to move into action. English author Dorothy Sayers wrote about the incarnation, and here's what she said. The incarnation means that for whatever reason God chose to let us fall into a condition of being limited to suffer to be subject to sorrows and death, he has nonetheless had the honesty and courage to take his own medicine. He himself has gone through the whole of human experience, from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. He was born into poverty and suffered infinite pain all for us and thought it was well worth his while. 
God knows our suffering so intimately. Jesus knows what it's like when we cry out, feeling like there isn't room for us, that we're being left behind. There wasn't room for Jesus. He was born in the manger because there wasn't room in the inn for him. And Jesus knows what it's like when we're devastated and hurt by the betrayal of people that we really trust, the betrayal of friends or family. He watched his friends turn him over to death and then deny even knowing him. And Jesus knows what we feel when we cry out in the depths of our loneliness, our longing, and our desires unfulfilled, wanting our circumstances to be different, especially in a year like this. The father denied Jesus's request to have his cup taken from him. Jesus was utterly forsaken on the cross, bearing the full weight of God's wrath for humanity. Jesus suffered infinite pain for us, and he felt it was well worth it. So what does Christmas mean then? It means that God not only knows our brokenness because he's all-knowing, but he knows it because he experienced it with us. He loved us enough to experience the brokenness with us. Jesus did what we couldn't do while living in the dark, repair our own brokenness with God. This brokenness created a debt, a void. But on this side of Christmas, we know that that void and that debt has already been paid. The punishment we deserve for it has already been paid. Now we're free to look the brokenness square in the face. We don't have to outrun it, we don't have to cover it, and we don't have to try harder to get ourselves out of it. He is the light in the overwhelming darkness. He isn't just the light that shines in the darkness. He is the light in the darkness. And because of that, we can stand before God and admit that we are living in the dark, broken and empty-handed. And Jesus is the light of men. And being the light of men, where life itself is found, changes our dark reality. And you might be asking yourself why, after all of this, and how that changes things. So I'd love for us to go back to the text and look at verses 17 and 18. In those verses, it says, The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. Let me read that again. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. Now, some of you might know this, but as a reminder, Moses was this prophet in the Old Testament well before Jesus' time. He's credited with uh, writing uh, many of the books of the Old Testament, uh, but not just that. He was the one who led the Israelites out of captivity and slavery in Egypt. Um, And the law that's talked about there the law that was given through Moses, is what's written about how we are meant to live our lives. It's the manual for what we needed to do to be right before God. A whole list of things to do. And even now, our default mode is to go back to the law. uh, To go back to finding our own way out of the brokenness and darkness that we live in. That's what we talked about earlier. Um, All those ways that we navigate and how we try to be our own light and work our way out of the darkness. 
So what does it mean that the law was given through Moses and grace and truth through Jesus? And why does that change our dark reality? And why is that even included in this text about light? Um, Why is that important in the passage? So what you have to know is that Moses was this important, really great leader. Um, And in the Old Testament, it talks about how Moses had favor with the Lord. Moses upheld the law a lot better than at least I do, but I think way better than we all do. And uh, what it talks about in the Old Testament is that he still couldn't even see the glory of God. In Exodus 33, uh, it talks about this. Moses is speaking to the Lord, and he's talking to him about how to lead the Israelites. And God's resp- he, what he says to God is, when he's talking to him about how to lead the Israelites, is, now show me your glory. That's what he says to God. And the Lord's response to Moses is really interesting. Listen to what he says. The Lord says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord denies Moses' request to see his glory. Why? Well, God is all-knowing, and he's good, and he's loving, and he knows that his glory is simply too bright for, every, for anybody to see, even Moses. So when John writes that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, this is truly an undeserved post-Christmas gift. John wasn't just talking about the grace and mercy shown through Jesus sacrificing himself for our punishment and taking that on the cross, He's saying that because God put on flesh and dwelt among us through Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and ascension, because God put on flesh a bunch of undeserving people like me and you get to receive a gift that Moses didn't even get. We get to see God's glory. It's described as God's glory is as of the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus being light is the lens that gives us this ability to not just see God, but to approach him. And God wants us to approach him. He wants us to receive him. He says so in his text that he wants us to be in his family. In verses 12 and 13, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of will of man, but of God. God wants us to come to him. That's why he revealed his glory to us through Christ Jesus. So what now? Come. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus, not because he's a means to hope, peace, joy, and love, but because he is hope. He is joy. He is peace, and he is love. And by leaving the Father's side to come to us, Jesus made a way for us to come before the Father, to exchange our counterfeit light and our pride in order to stand in the light, receiving grace upon grace. Hope the next few weeks and months won't be easy. I imagine they'll continue to be hard 
and exposing. It'll take honesty and courage to show up, to come. But you'll be with the one who with all courage and honesty left the intimacy and glory of being at the Father's side to be at your side, lighting and leading the way to life in the light, to be in his family. Let's pray. Father, we don't deserve this gift, but help us to receive it. Embolden us to have the courage and honesty to come to you. Brighten the truth and beauty that is Christ Jesus' birth, that is his incarnation. And I pray that you would help us to come to you. Thank you for this undeserving gift. Work in our lives, in our church, in our families, in our neighborhoods. We pray all of this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.